Network. Connected. MIDI session. Running. MIDI show control. Confirmed. DMX interface. Connected. Light control. Confirmed. Ethernet. Active. Audio interface. Active and engaged. Arduino unit. In range. Bluetooth remote pair. Connected. OSC IP. Active. We're ready. Start the queue. It's the show about control. Featuring Andy Dolph, Joshua Langman, Dave Mickey, and Mark Neiser. It's the queue. <laughs> Welcome aboard, sailors. Episode three. We have a special guest host tonight, Alex Sparks. Hi, Alex. Hello. How are you? Great. Thanks for joining us, Andy. How you doing? I'm good. What is, what's the percentage? You at 100 percent now? Yeah, I'm. I'm at 100 percent and probably closer to 200 percent if you count the snow. Wow. And Dave, are you still uh, still online? I'm still online, and um, I'm still here. This theme this week, we're going to do uh, what's in your garage. Me personally, I have an old Simmons drum machine system down there. Basically an entire suit that you get into, and it has Simmons drum pad triggers that I got from them as repair pieces, but it's basically just the triggers themselves on gloves, on a headband, uh, both shoulders, both knees, and both feet. And I would throw and bounce balls off of this thing and wearing it hooked up to the uh, Simmons drum machine system, and that was my... uh, attempt at uh, performance art and i never used it never used it just oh and i also put it in a piece of wood on a floor to bounce stuff on it as well but it was quickly replaced by a uh, bogus setup that was a lot easier (laughs) Uh, and it still sits there it's still down there and if anyone is interested and would like it i would gladly send you the original simmons drum pad you just pay shipping and handling and then a small processing fee of five thousand dollars should seems fair that's good to me yeah (laughs) i'll take five that's a bargain Five dollars? Five of them. Can you give me more? <laughs> well, next time, next time you come over for a play date, we'll break out the Simmons drum machine. <laughs> Andy, what's in your garage? Oh, so many things. Uh, but I'll pick one. I was doing full stage projections with a not very good projector that had a, it just had a terrible black level. In other words, black was a relatively light shade of gray. So... The lights went to black, and the projector was shining bright as day on the stage. And, you know, this is something most of us who have done a lot of projection have dealt with, and normally you deal with it by using a good projector that has a shutter built in. This wasn't an option in this case. I took an old CD-ROM drive from a computer and a power supply from a computer that actually had a latching mechanical power switch so I could turn the power supply on and off without having to have the rest of a computer connected to it to make it work. I soldered two wires onto the contacts for the eject button, which I ran to a connector, which goes into a a port that pretty much nobody ever uses on the back of an ETC Express lightboard, which has a contact closure. And then I put a piece of black paper in the CD-ROM drive tray and gaff taped it to some wood and set it in front of the projector on its side so that when the tray went out into the eject position, it covered the lens. It was actually all triggered by the light board. Is there any chance that could have been a SysX message? I just really was hoping maybe. (laughs) No, no, you couldn't do it by MIDI. It it (sighs) was actually had to be built into the Q stack on the light board. So it was actually, it was a Q, it was a Q, or maybe it had to be, maybe it was only a macro that could do it. I think it was a macro that was fired by a MIDI message. Okay, Alec, we're trying to uh, 
find out really how to use system exclusive messages. We all we mm-hmm. I've learned from the last couple podcasts that uh apparently it's really just MIDI show control which I do all the time, but I think we'll have to have a contest to see who can come up with the best use of a system exclusive message that's non MIDI show control. I will break up my soldering iron. I you know what? I believe that. Dave, what's in your garage? Oddly enough, not much right now. I moved in September and during the summer I gave most of it away. <laughs> I did 10 dumpsters, 30 trips to Goodwill, and I don't know how many people came up and collected stuff from the house. I keep waiting for us to show up on Hoarders, and uh, they kick in the door, and there's Andy surrounded by 400 cats and uh, (laughs) 6,000 tape players and a bag of DMX cables. And he's trying to send SysX messages. (laughs) Right. Desperately trying to open a box of cereal using system-exclusive messages. Um, So my new house, now I'm having fun with making it a smart house, turning all the light switches into smart switches, speakers, uh, Sonos, and that's my new project of what's in my garage, making my house smarter than me, and it's driving my family crazy. And um, What, what system did. are you using for that? Uh, I originally picked up uh, the brain called Revolve, and then Nest bought them out and killed it. Hmm. So now I'm looking for a new brain. I've been using Ift quite a bit I, and what, what is that I-F-T-T-T? one if then then that yeah ift hmm. and ift it's like gif but without the g and with that you can set up a couple of commands like if i did a long press on my light switch do this command so if you do a long press on our porch light it turns on blue kitchen lights right now um or do a short press it could turn on music in a couple rooms or just really digging through, adding speakers throughout this house, lighting, and really just messing with Yeah, or with set stuff. it up with, like, geolocation on your phone. So I have that, when, too. When you, approach, <laughs> when you approach your house, all the lights start flashing red, and it, you know, plays the, uh, the Imperial March from Star Wars. <laughs> when my daughter comes home, all the lights turn uh, magenta for her, and for me, they turn green. So I'm... That's- I'm making color coding lighting based on who's coming home. Is that true? And yeah. So you have LED lighting in the house? I have LED lighting. Uh, I'm using a lot of Philips U in there for color LED tape with the Philips U. And What's a Philips U? It's a LED multicolor light bulb. Oh, and yeah, they have yeah. LED tape, floodlights, light bulbs, so you could color your life. Right. Well, lights, the, the yeah, real no. question is, is, is it controllable with QLab? Uh, parts of it is, yes. So I've been trying to integrate QLab in it as a media server for everything, and I'm trying to get the triggers to fire sound cues. Uh, right now, QLab's not speaking to the Sonos speakers as well as I would like. So to do it, I kind of hacked it. I went QLab to an Apple Play to headphone jack out into line in on the Sonos to then run the Sonos to any of the speakers in the house <laughs> to play a cue. I uh, love it. it. It's a long roundabout way to make something that should be simple work better, <laughs> but um, it's not quite there yet. <laughs> Alec, what's, uh, what's in your garage? Uh, my school's media department throws out stuff all the time, like old projectors and uh, what, what's been interesting was they threw out the the little windows boxes that would drive the old um like the signage around campus so there'd be like powerpoint files scrolling showing 
like upcoming events and whatever. Uh, and I was hoping to like hack them to play, uh, hopefully Rebel from Q Lab, so I can send them OSC and play videos or something. Mm-hmm. But I haven't found anything on Windows that works well at all and does anything like that. What what is this this Windows you're talking <laughs> yeah, about? Yeah, right, right. I was so hopeful. <laughs> Why do you need Windows? Well, they, that's just what they run, and they have AMD chips in them, so I can't very easily hack and them either. Okay, right. What you might be able to do is uh, put Linux on them and then use something. I don't know how much OSC stuff is available for Linux, but it wouldn't surprise me if there was some sort of OSC to command line for Linux, mm. like translating thing. Yeah, and then use that to control the command line version of M Player. Okay, Ooh. which is the the generic media player, open source media player for Linux. Right. These things have like two video outputs on them and HDMI, and they would be super nice if they just ran OS X. Or if I can make them from Linux, that'll be good too. I will yeah. play with that. Yeah, hmm. give it a try. What kind of sponsorship deal do you have with M Player, Andy? I notice uh, every <laughs> show you've mentioned them so far. You know, it's it's one of those things that has gotten me out of trouble enough times that I tend to mention it because not a lot of people know about it. Well, I'm going to get the word M-Player put on your, uh, your jumpsuit when it arrives. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Today we have an interview with Alex Sparks. He's a technical student at Shenandoah College, uh, inventor, uh, student, and most importantly, teacher. He has uh, helped me on many projects, and we have lots of plans for a bunch of other ones. Uh, we have had so many great conversations on the phone. I had uh, a project I was working on, and I posted it to the forums, and it blew me away with uh, your programming skills and your knowledge. How old are you? I'm 20. I'm a, I'm a junior at Shendo University. I have kids uh, older than that. <laughs> my, I went to a high school and middle school where they gave every student a laptop, so they've kind of just been breeding me to be like this from day one. Uh-huh. Was it a, th- a theater school or? Uh, no, actually, for most of my life up until my senior year of high school, I thought I was going to be going into computer science. Okay. Um, but I, I guess I just got bored of the lack of art in it, and I've been doing technical theater the whole time too. And you decided you wanted a more lucrative career than computer <laughs> science, <laughs> right? Right, something I could really make money in. <laughs> um, but I'm still finding interesting crossovers between the two, and I'm keeping the skills going so like i've had my programming skills can help with technical theater problems all the time well i was absolutely blown away when you chimed in on this phone thing i don't remember exactly how we we initially discussed it but i wanted to make phones change in real time and you had already done this already you said hey i already wrote that was it a shell script i, I can't remember exactly or javascript i guess uh it's a combination of some web technologies, PHP and JavaScript, with um, really some really, really basic... Oh, God, I don't remember what it was. Uh, so a, an AppleScript command that would curl a URL, and that URL, based on what, what the parameters were in the URL, would, cha- would change the... Basically, would change the text in a text file on a server, and then all the phones would be simultaneously pinging that text file, asking it what its value is, and if it says red, then the phones make their background red right and i think again correct me if i'm wrong but I, I thought you said well i don't really have that stuff anymore but you literally wrote it and gave it to me like in five days and there it was 
Yeah, I had some fun playing with synchronization and stuff with it too, so I probably invent reinvented something, but I made an algorithm that would synchronize all the color changes between the phones so you could uh like actually strobe them at a regular rate and right. have a whole sea of phones actually strobing pretty much at exactly the same time. Uh, you weren't at my uh, TEDx talk when I did it, were you? No, I wasn't. Oh my god, it was so amazing. The, the stupid thing was I didn't really I'd never done it before. Oh, which, uh, great that's way scary. to test things, right? Yeah. Um with the multiple phones. Uh, and I stupidly had them all face them towards me because the real show is for have them facing towards the audience. Mm-hmm. But here I am looking out and it, it blew me away. You know, 400 phones all just some slightly off than others, you know, their network, whatever, or their operating system. And uh, it was absolutely beautiful. Did we patent that? I think we own that, right? Uh, yeah. I, my license fee, <laughs> we need to talk about that later. Yeah, actually, I'm getting some Skype interference. I quite hear you. Oh, yeah, we need to talk about my license fee still, in the future no, for still this. Getting, yeah, still breaking yeah. up quite a bit, having trouble. Oh. Yeah, I'll, um, just, I'll just ignore that question and move on. Um, okay. <laughs> Should we... Can you hear me now? No. Is it still about the license fee? No. Oh, okay, then I can hear you. <laughs> the fees okay. with the onesie. <laughs> <laughs> I need to put my onesie on for good luck. <laughs> my internet onesie. Um, we don't have we... them in baby sizes yet, so um, maybe I can go upstairs oh, and I can take uh, apart the baby Bjorn that my well, wife has. I, I can, like, pat it out or something. I've got some <laughs> foam lying around. <laughs> How did you discover QLab? Um, as soon as I came to Shenandoah, they were already running it for sound effects, and they were trying out video with it. This is... I've never experienced QLab 1. Well, I guess you would have been 10 when QLab 1 came out. Uh, that sounds about right, yeah. Be glad. <laughs> oh. it, well, I mean, it was, it was amazing. QLab 1 was amazing for what it was. But compared to what we have now, oh my god. What was it? Just an audio platform? It no, had video, it, too. It, it had Eventually. video. It was a lot more cumbersome in so many ways. But one of the greatest features about it, which they got rid of on QLab 1, when you did a projection, you could actually go to that screen with your mouse and move the content around hmm. and resize it. And as far as I know, that feature has been lost. Well, can I you didn't just go to the geometry you window on QLab 1? Yeah, it was an amazing feature. You just bring your mouse while you're playing the content, grab it, move it, go to a corner, a little resize icon will come up and hmm. resize it. Yeah, I am fun. surprised the um, the remote QLab remote doesn't let you keystone correct a surface. That's because I yeah. have to do it with um, with an app. Uh, so, Alec, uh, what is your your greatest skill? I think it's just connecting different things together. Just seeing the ways that things can talk to each other and figuring out how to make them communicate. You know, because you do have that sort of unique skill set of the programming side on top of the QLab part. Because, you know, I knew what I wanted, but I didn't have the ability to write that that script. And you immediately were like, oh, I got this. If you're familiar with QLX, that was a thing I made because I didn't have any MIDI hardware to connect QLab to the, the ION at my school. And I had read somewhere online that you could use some sort of UDP string to to talk to it. So I found that would work, and then I just made a, a plugin for QLab, plugin of sorts. QLab doesn't have a plugin architecture, but 
some complicated script queues that would take the name of the queue and use that as the command to send to, or interpret it and send it to the ion. So I could have a queue that says just the name Q1 go and run that and it would interpret it into what the ion will listen to and then send it over to the light board. And is this the QLX.io? Yes. The website is QLX.io, EOS lighting control for QLab. Shameless plug. What is EOS? <laughs> um, EOS is like the operating system of all of ETC's, uh-huh. or most of ETC's light boards, huh. like consoles. And when did you write this? Uh, well, it's obsolete now, or and going to be very obsolete soon, but I wrote it like a year ago. Wow. Why is it obsolete? Because MIDI Show Control has taken over, or ETC has upgraded their software? Well, uh, well actually, QLab added to OSC a checkbox that lets you send, instead of OSC, you can send um, you can send UDP strings, which is right. kind of what my thing did in the background, like half of what it did. But also, ETC is adding OSC to the consoles. Huh. So I'll be able to communicate in a way that you know, QLab natively understands, and it'll everything will talk to each other, and you'll be able to use Touch OSC with the Lightboard, I would assume. Mm-hmm. So that's really exciting. I'll, I'll add a uh, link in the show notes to that. Um, what would be your dream job when you uh, graduate, aside from moving into my uh, guest house here, and I'll keep you shackled in a safe room <laughs> where I can just, just suck, you know, suck the brain juice out of you and use up all your talents? solve your own app problems whenever you have them <laughs> right well we'll talk about that in a minute i mean if i can keep doing projection and like new media work for forever that would be amazing dave uh andy you have any questions well i just wanted to say to go back to the um the control over udp thing that this is something that's been a sort of ongoing argument in the control system world um about <laughs> I, I guess whether the, there there are some people, and in particular John Huntington at the City College of New York, who wrote literally wrote the book on show control, um, is a huge proponent of just plain network messages sent from one device to another as a control process, rather than using something like OSC. In fact, he kind of because SFX would do that and QLab wouldn't. What is SFX? SFX is a long-standing, at least audio playback platform. I don't know if it does video or not uh, for Windows. It doesn't. It's an audio playback created in 1995 from Stage Research. And it does audio playback, and it also sends um, Telnex commands, uh, RS-232... So you can control other devices, including MIDI. And it has a giant go button on the and uh, interface with an exclamation point. So theirs is a little better than the QLab go button. It's more <laughs> exciting. Were the first. <laughs> right, it's more exciting. Go! As opposed to go. Yeah, they, they were the first, and they got fairly quickly really expensive. And it's one of the things that I really like about QLab, having a free version, which... There are plenty of people that all they'll ever need is the free version, and it'll work great for what they need to do. And then when you need more, you know, I've introduced a number of people to QLab who only do, you know, two or three shows a year, and they're like, I'm not going to pay for a license, but I'll pay for a rental license for a week, you know, and that's all they need. 
And the cool thing with the, the demo mode they have now, you can build an amazing show, screw around with it, hit demo. And because I sold the system to a school recently, um, didn't have to even touch my license and said, here it is. And they got to run it and see it in action and be like, wow. And 30 minutes later, boop, it all goes bye-bye. And the lust for the power is there. And they jumped right in and, you know, grabbed uh, grabbed one. I do see on their website, SFX's Live Design Sound Product of the Year, 2008. <laughs> you know, that's when you want to take the date out, you know? Yeah. I mean, I'm the, I'm the international juggling champion. I don't include the date anymore. You know, <laughs> gravity was even, was weaker back then. It was so long ago. Because it was like 1802 or something. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I didn't say the year, did I? Did I, Andy? But you did say the year during your show. Yeah. I lied, actually. That's not true. Oh. I updated it because it was so old. I it's I have to make it more recent. So it's yeah, a, when it first came out in '95, it was around thousand, a little bit more. I know my license I bought of SFX was about two hundred, maybe f- up to four hundred. But they have educational. They have uh, the basic and the advanced license of it too. Mm-hmm. And are they doing video and everything as well now? No video. Wow. Yeah, it just looks like MIDI sound. Wow, that's surprising because QLab Free does yep. what this does. All the mazes at Halloween Horror Nights at Universal are run off of SFX. Hmm. And they've been doing that since day one. And I go, uh, why don't you switch? Because they're running them all off of Mac computers boot camped into Windows. And it's <laughs> like, well, we started with SFX. We know it's running. It does exactly what we need. And mainly is because of logs. It keeps a log of every single action, every single trigger, and that way they can see exactly what's going on during the night. And if something crashes, they know where it crashed because of this log. And that's one thing QLab hasn't integrated yet, a log. But I guess you could write an Apple script and then tell the Apple script to log to text edit, which is what I usually do when I need a log, but that's a whole nother process. Hmm. Alec, I think maybe you could hack that out and have it to us by morning, right? Yeah, sounds good. I'm on it. Maybe you could just Perfect. do it by the end of the show. We could demo it. <laughs> Try to right on. type quietly. Oh, and then I want to add with the plugins, QLab version one, all the cues were technically plugins. So you could write your own Q plugin and throw oh, it into cool. QLab one. All so right, find I'm a copy and add your plugin. <laughs> yep. Guys, I'm going back to QLab one. It's better anyway. <laughs> Could we even run it? We'd we'd have to find. I think I might have a Mac Plus down in the basement. If uh, <laughs> yeah, anyone really. has a bicycle, we can power it with. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Alec, what are you working on now? I know the answer to this already, but I'm I'm wondering if you're going to tell us the truth or not. I'm working on a couple things. Um, well, QLX is kind of becoming obsolete, and I can't have that. So I'm turning it into a, a standalone lighting app. That's a little bit like LX console, but more featured. I can't wait. It should be it should be pretty cool. That's awesome. Hey Alec, have you seen Max MSP? Uh I have not. I heard you guys talk about it and Check it. I still don't know what it is. Check it out. I think you'll love it. Max MSP is a blank slate where you could create any sound, MIDI, or video software that you could dream of. A visual and it does UDP, and you need zero programming language. And can you mask? Can you pretty that up and everything with graphics and you everything? You can make it beautiful. They have a presentation mode, so you can make it look like a real piece of software. Hmm. Um, 
it, it's a beautiful piece of software. Yeah, if you've ever worked in a nodal compositor, a video compositor like Shake, uh, Max MSP is, is very much like that, except there are nodes to deal with more types of data than just video. I know nodal from After Effects, so uh, I'll have a play. And if Max MSP is too expensive because that's a commercial product, there's an open source competitor called uh, Pure Data, which is free. And it works it, on Linux, and you can run your UDP from there. I'm not sure how different it is because I haven't used Max MSP in a long time because Pure Data does everything I need. For me, Pure Data is really buggy and crashes a lot, um, where Max MSP is much cleaner. They update it quite often, and they actually have a student price, and the student price is very well discounted, and it's yours for life. So if you buy whatever version as a student, it never expires. The stuff I've done in Pure Data has reliability wasn't important because I it's it's what I tend to use if I want to do algorithmic composition kind of stuff and I'm typically using it to generate streams of MIDI data that I'm recording into logic and then once I've done that I'm done with pure data and I'm just working in logic if it crashes no big deal I'll just run it again well yeah. thanks uh, Alec anything else you want to add go to QLX play with it I'm I'm so into it, but I want to. Where's my lighting software? Stand by. Give me a couple months. All right. QLab, Pro Tools, Stage Caller, Mad Final Cut, Millimeter, Tech, Lift, Garage, Band, Logic, Duck, Twisted Remote, My MIDI Remote, Go Between, It's time for the Q Review. So today we're going to take on DMX to Ethernet adapters. I'm a huge fan of the ODE by Entech. Initially, I used the DMX USB Pro adapter, which was a, had a few problems that it would, it would drop out on me. Sometimes the flash RAM or the light would start being wonky and the plug would get unplugged. Plus, it was taking up one of my USB ports, and I wasn't really using my Ethernet port, and my whole goal of performing, I mean, I don't even like performing. I do it just to fill every port up on the side of my MacBook Pro. <laughs> And the Ethernet adapter was sitting there unloved and unused. And that thing has been an absolute workhorse for me. It just works, and it's faster than the USB version. The only issue of the USB, I don't know if this even applies to the uh, ODE one, is if you try to get into the device, they have this pro manager they offer. It just it doesn't work. You can reboot your machine with whatever software they say it works on. And I've never gotten it actually to do anything to the point where I just sent back DMX USB Pros and have them reset them for me, and then they send them back to me. And what do you use, Alex? I use what's kind of the cheap knockoff of that, which is the DMX King eDMX. So it's pretty much the same product, just from a different different distributor. And I have exactly the same problems, which is the software isn't very good. In fact, it doesn't run a Mac at all, so I had to get a Windows PC going, and I couldn't make it work. I just have basically have left it at the default configuration, which works fine. I just do it through my network settings to set it up that way. I don't really have anything to do to get in there with the software, but their their stuff is built really solid in nice metal cases. And actually I bought a new DMX USB Pro the other day for that school setup and they've redone the um, plugin for USB and it really is nice and solid. Um, so I'm hoping that I don't get a phone call that the green light's not flashing in you know a couple of years. Andy, what's your experience with it? I have not had good luck with the USB version, the, the USB Pro. I've ordered a couple of them. One I got to work sometimes, and one 
I have never really gotten to work. I would call their tech support or email their tech support and go through a bunch of steps and they'd say, oh, the device is working fine. It must be the software you're using to drive it. And after trying like eight different programs on three different computers, I actually finally gave up and ended up renting a light board <laughs> for a project. <laughs> So I think the big issue here is this FTDI chipset thing that you have to install separately to get it, yeah. get it to interface. And it, it is not an easy thing to do. I mean, once you get that in there, it will, it will function, but it's tedious. Entec makes a new MK2, and that actually is, um, has a different, it doesn't need to, it has a chipset built into it, so you don't have to install that separate thing. Um, and it has two universes, which is nice and MIDI built in. Um, oh, cool. I just haven't been able to justify swapping out my little ethernet thing because I've been so happy with it to switch to the Pro MK2 unit. So that maybe that'll solve solve those issues. You I've know? bought two of the ODE, the ethernet ones, like mm -hmm. you're using, yeah. and they've been just perfect. Yeah, and you get and the lights for feedback and everything. And so at this point, my feeling is I'll do ethernet rather than USB. Does do you know if the ODE requires the FTDI chipset as well, or am no. I just I'm no, just thinking of it doesn't? Yeah, because that's only for USB. Okay, that's what communication. it's communication. Okay, I didn't even know what that was. I just know I had to do it, and installing it was always terrifying. And and now with um, the new operating system, you have to go in and disable it on some setups and not in others. Um, it would just be so nice to have again on each page. They have the little apps with the Mac download, Pro Manager. I challenge anyone out there in the planet to send me a screenshot of the Pro Manager seeing a um, DMX USB Pro. Um, you will get, I will send you a free the Q t-shirt. Anything else to add on the, uh, on the DM DMX stuff? I've only used the USB Pro from Intech, and I used it with Max MSP, creating my own lighting software in there, sending DMX out for interactive stuff. But any production needs, I usually use a ETC, Ion, and. But I think you guys sold me on the ODE. I'm going to uh, order one and try it out. See what happens. See if I can break it. I love it. I've never had it. Oof! I hate to say that out loud. Uh, I'm not going to say it out loud. Say it out loud, Mark. It hasn't broken yet on me. <gasps> That's good. Oh. I have had really good luck. The first one I bought, it was my answer to a space that wouldn't give us money to buy an ARFU. For anybody who doesn't know the abbreviation, remote focus unit, it's a way of controlling the light board from the stage without having to move the light board down to the stage. There are a variety of little console apps for the iPhone that will output ArtNet. And with that and a wireless network and an ODE, you essentially have a light board on your phone. So I would take it up to the front of house bridge with me. I could turn on and off myself the units that I'm focusing. For something super simple, you know, just turning units on and off one or two at a time, this thing called, there's an app called Focus Remote and it, it's just perfect for that. It's super easy. To me, Touch OSC is the uh, is is the kingpin of uh, just remote control. I use that to control uh, LX console um, and QLab as my main remote control from stage, uh, iPhone and uh, iPad. The thing I love about Touch OSC though is I can move a fader 
on my iPad, um, it'll move the fader in LX console, and it'll move the fader on the iPhone all simultaneously. It is sweet. And then when you trigger lights, you know, all the faders start sliding and moving with the nobody there. I just stare at it. Oh, yeah, it's aw- that's awesome. It's time for the Q Quiz. Each week, we will test our panel of experts and see if they're as smart as they think so they are. So I built a QLab network quiz game. Who would ever have thought that QLab would have been a game platform? So everyone has their buzzers ready. Uh, how many switches on a typical DMX address panel? Nine. Correct. I have one that has a 10 on it. It's some sort of proprietary thing. I have to put it on for... DMX mode or auto mode or something. And it's very common to have a 10 switch switch where the last one just doesn't do anything because it's cheaper to buy a 10 than a 9. Oh, interesting. I, yeah, I should try to play with the switch and see if it does anything. Alec, I have to give you a point there. There we go. Yes. How many universes can a DMX MK2 support? Yes, Andy? Two. Very good. What happens if two DMX devices share the same address? So long as you're talking about receiving devices, they'll respond together. Also correct. Very good. Things explode, lamps <laughs> pop, they find fingerprints on everything, and oh. <laughs> Maybe that's just in California when you're, uh, you know, after you've gotten your medical license, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> no, 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 no. That's when you've got people who aren't used to using moving lights, and they address the first one as one, and the second one is two, and the third <laughs> one is three. <laughs> okay, next question. What is the decibel level scale measure? Andy? It measures ratios. The dB equals 20 times log 20 uh, RMS uh, divided by 0.00002. And that will give you SPL. That's exactly what my wife wants me to say to her when she can't sleep at night. And can you explain to me what you just said? It's taking the input from a microphone and converting it into a number that we perceive as decibel or sound pressure level. So it's pretty much making numbers. <laughs> what is one to... decibel? Dave. One above unity. One-tenth of one bell. That's fair. That, that, that's accurate. Okay. Who is the name in honor of? Andy. It was named in honor of Bell, Alexander Graham. What does Arnold Schwarzenegger and the de- last device on a DMX chain have in common? Alex. Terminators. <laughs> Aha. Thank you. They're both married to a Kennedy? No. <laughs> <laughs> don't know if I know I know gay marriage is legal in your in your state, but uh I don't think you can marry a DMX chain yet. Soon. Last <laughs> last question and you have to get them all to get it right. What colors can you set a Q in QLab 3? Alex. Okay. Let's see if I can picture this. Uh, just going down the line. Red, yellow, green, blue, purple. <laughs> Very good. Only five. Ha-ha! All right. Really good, you guys. Andy, you're the winner. Uh, I'm, I am truly, truly ecstatic. Your onesie's in the mail. Well, Can we next time have cues to send onesies? 
<laughs> You're the code guy, so start typing. Someone's gonna have a shipping API for that. Come on. Yeah, in. I was gonna say what we need is an is some sort of interface from QLab to Amazon's API. So, like, when you need batteries, you just run a queue and Amazon ships them to you. <laughs> this sounds so card. dangerous, <laughs> but I love it. Disaster. He died. He, he died in a bizarre gardening accident. You screwed up. That was tragic, really. He exploded on stage. Fix it. Review you had on Shark Sandwich, which was merely a two-word review, just a shit sandwich. Welcome to Tales of Disaster. You screwed up. You got to fix it. What are you going to do? Tell us your stories. Send them in, and we're going to put them on the air. There's a fine line between stupid and, and clever. Like flash of green light. And that was it. I was performing on a cruise ship going up uh, in Gdansk, Poland, up uh, way inland there, uh, and had been warned, one, that uh, my microphone was probably illegal in the country, and that if I was caught with it, it would be taken away or I could be fined. And somebody else even said that in China you can actually be arrested for having a device, a wireless device in the wrong frequency. But as we're tootling up the uh, inland passage there, going up to Gdansk, I'm uh, on stage doing my show. And uh, sure enough, the port traffic monitor guy is broadcasting right through my microphone in, uh, I'm assuming it was Polish. I don't really speak Polish. And, uh, yeah, it didn't It didn't help the show. I mean, I, I wasn't maybe quite as funny back then, but um, not not really helpful. So I now understand how to uh, find a clear channel before I start my show and uh, make sure, you know, I check the frequencies to make sure they're open. And you're not illegal? <laughs> no one in China understood me anyway, so it didn't really matter what microphone I had. <laughs> uh, Andy, you want to hit us with a disaster story? Sure. On the subject of wireless microphone disaster stories, um, this was on an, on an occasion when I was not doing audio. Um, I used to sing very seriously, a classically trained singer, although I don't do it much anymore. But I'd been hired uh, to fill out the choir of a Catholic church for Christmas Eve mass. And... You know, we're sitting in the choir loft at the back of the church, and the priest is using a wireless lav. And we keep hearing through the PA, you know, all of this interference and weird, like, you can almost hear speech, and then you can hear speech. And it becomes clear that the Advent Christian Church, which is across the street from the Catholic Church... Is using a mic on the same frequency, and apparently they had just never had services at the same time. And so we go through this service where, where you know, you'll hear the priest fine, and then all of a sudden you hear the pastor from across the street. <laughs> God, that could really mess up a uh, you know one of his sentences. You're lucky the Atheist Alliance wasn't across the street or something. You, you are not kidding. I have to say, though, the priest was an unbelievably good sport about it. And as he was giving his homily and it kept getting interrupted, he uh, said that he could only hope and pray that perhaps his words were doing them some good across the street. <laughs> Dave, what do you got? Two weeks ago, I was in tech or showed up for tech. 
and they turned on the sound system and nothing worked. This was an hour before we're supposed to start. And uh, they didn't tell me. And I walked over and went, okay, let's start playing sound. And I noticed they're frantically in the back of the rack throwing cables everywhere. And well, what's up? They're a uh, sound system died. So they start rebuilding it. And an hour and a half after we're supposed to start tech, they went, went, okay, everything's fine. You can start hip go on my test queue and nothing. Oh. So I went up to the booth and nothing was going from the computer to the mixer. So we discovered that none of the routing was done in QLab to the Motu to the mixer. So got that all set. Mo- computer or QLab to Motu was speaking. And then we could see it on the channels on the mixer, but then nothing was going out to the amplifiers. It ended up they never set the routing in the mixer to go from hmm. the eight channels in to the eight speakers. So we finally got through all that, and it finally worked. But, um, yeah, nothing like starting the first day of tech with a dead sound system. Was there anything wrong with the sound system, or was it just a routing issue the whole time? They said one piece of gear died, but they didn't say what piece <laughs> yeah, of gear. their brain. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's unbelievable the little things people miss sometimes. I did like a a theater gig and I could tell that this crew was a little sketchy or there's like an intern or something involved and the other guy had left and we're hooking up sound and the sound's not working and there's no one to turn to. It's usually me. So I, 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 yeah. I check everything. I go, give me a microphone. Let me see, you know, just a mic direct into a mic cable so there's no wondering if it's going to work nothing you know what channel are you on i'm yelling to the guy in the booth i finally run up to the booth and i look at the soundboard and i'm like well you know you have to you have to turn this slider up <laughs> and it worked oh. he didn't know what a slider was oh my goodness i i, I thought he was joking and then i realized mm. he had no idea what he was doing wow yeah that's frightening. Yeah, it was scary. And it's times like this that you're glad that your entire show is automated. Oh, oh my God. Yeah. Alec, what do you got? Uh, during a show last semester at school, there's a there's a distributor for the amplifiers, and that just stopped outputting just entirely. It would receive input, and you would meter the input, but then no output would come out of it. And this was during a show. It just stopped working. So... A whole system shut down, and the sound guys, I wasn't on sound, were running around trying to figure out what things were, and they eventually just unplugged that, plugged it back in, and everything was fine. <laughs> but it was, it was probably, we had to like stop the show for like five minutes, and the stage manager had to call out, because the sound system wasn't working, there was no god mic to say, like to explain that we're taking an intermission, so she just had to shout it. Wow. And nothing, just turn it off, back on, that's it? Yep, wow. works fine. The Microsoft way. <laughs> They've they uh, moved it via a bunch of XLR onto a chair in front of the rack, so it's cooled better and hasn't been a problem since. What? How? When? Where? Why? FAQ the Q. You've got questions. We've got long and detailed technical answers. So I've been thrown in the snake pit here doing this podcast. Uh, no one bothered to check with me if I was actually qualified. Mastering, what am I supposed to do with this thing? I get the thing out, edit it all together. I bounce it out of uh, Logic X. And what is my goal? I personally tend on the master, throw a limiter on it, and then turn the threshold all the way up and then turn my output down. And I'm sure some people are cringing by that. 
but I'm not a big fan of compression because it brings up the room noise and the thermal noise where the limiter just prevents it from getting too loud. I really believe that the best answer to getting good audio for a good audio master for a podcast is this this thing called ophonic.com which is their sort of you upload the file to them they have a proprietary combination of things that they do to it and for speech and i mean it's specifically designed for podcasts and similar kinds of programs and it just works extraordinarily well Awesome, you guys. I really appreciate it. Alec, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Andy, great job. Dave, I'm going to leave us with a quick quote here. It's only when things go wrong that machines remind us how powerful they are. Clive James. Thanks, guys. Alec, welcome aboard, man. Your onesie's on the way. Yes, finally. I'll be warm at night. (laughs) You've been listening to The Q. The Q is produced by Active Media Group in association with The Q Show cast. Music for The Q was written and performed by Kyle Swafford. For more information and links to our blog, online tutorials, cast, and videos, please visit theqshow.com. You can contact us at info at theqshow.com. Now go out and make something, and you too can go to 11.